Welcome to the Be Your Own Muse podcast, where we are as authentic as we possibly can be without being afraid of the consequences, where we dive into passion, creativity, beauty, and joy. And for the first time today, we're going to talk a little bit more about something that you guys have been asking for, and I haven't been doing it because I've been scared, and we're going to get into it today. And that is, I'm going to be interviewing my husband, Evan Herr. Hi, that's me. <laughs> Um, so Evan and I are sitting here in our room, um, in our the, podcast studio, our podcast studio, our bedroom, um, in our new house in Richmond, Virginia. That's right. Um, Midlothian, Midlothian, Chesterfield, greater Richmond metropolitan area. Yeah. I mean, so I was just talking about this with a friend of mine. Um, this is totally besides the point, but I think it's worth mentioning that like the pandemic kind of just made us all realize that very energetically sensitive people should be in more remote areas i mean would you consider yourself somebody energetically sensitive evan no i'm, I'm pretty um, blockheaded and i just go through my life um on my own railroad tracks doing what i please <laughs> okay uh fair but you know out in the country there's plenty of room for railroad tracks okay um so as well, long as we're doing sidebars, I just wanted to say I'm really impressed with how you outfitted the room for podcasts, like all of the soundproofing on the walls, oh my God. all of the um, uh, uh, the like pop filters everywhere. I can barely see you through all the pop filters between us. Okay. He's joking. Watch this. Anyway. I made a pop and you can't even hear it. We're, <laughs> we're sitting here with our two dogs, Jazz and Cornbread, because they need to be with us all the time. Yeah. Um, but I was going to ask you back to the question about being energetically sensitive. Um, I mean, what would you say is the difference between us living in DC and us living here in, in Chesterfield? Oh, that's a tough question because, you know, it'd be easier to name the similarities. Like there's, it, there's so many differences. It's so different. Yeah. Yeah. I could say, you know, the one or two things that are the same. It's like, well, you and I are here. Cornbread and jazz are here. Right. And everything else is different. Okay. Fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. I mean, I think. Listen. I'm happy to answer the question, but I, I just want to like start by saying that it, it is a big difference. Yeah. So for those of you who aren't familiar or haven't seen my stories on Instagram, we currently live in a house um, that is in a fairly remote area compared to like what we're used to. Um, I have a couple podcast episodes about what it was like to live in DC. Um, I think the episodes where I talk about like my energy levels, where I talk about my throat chakra problems, I just talk about um, adjusting to a city so noisy and crowded but also full of potential and, and and whatnot um but this is the first time we've ever lived somewhere like this so i guess what i'm what i'm asking you evan is how do you feel internally like spiritually if if i may go there so soon in this podcast absolutely um you have you have certainly done the long-term and short-term work to um open up our our spiritual conduits between each other to um get into that part of the conversation absolutely so the question is how like how do i feel different spiritually and in general, being here in, mm -hmm. in Chesterfield County. I mean, like, the differences are apparent. Area. Anybody can yeah. look at our apartment in uh, Navy Yard, D.C. versus our apartment, our house here. Yeah. And be like, oh, yeah, those are different. But, like... Can I describe the house a little bit for your listeners? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're off of uh, Hull Street Road. We're off of... On Bailey Bridge Road. Um, and we live off of a, a state route with a long driveway. Mm -hmm. There's an enormous front yard that we let some of it just go to meadow, big tall grass. Yeah, it's nice. And we mow some of it. There's an incredible I'm I'm there's an incredible uh white oak tree in front of our yard that I hung a, a swing on just mm -hmm. to give you a sense of, you know, the picturesque 
quality of the the place we live. Yeah. It, it's great to hang out outdoors here. We have a porch, um, a screened-in porch, and a deck. And a deck. A uh, fenced-in backyard for the dogs, mm -hmm. and just a lot of space. Um, you know, we can run around. Um, it so to contrast, you know, living in D.C. where our bedroom right now is about the size a little smaller than our entire apartment in dc it's true with i walked out the door in dc i would be in a long hallway i'd have to take the elevator just to get outside mm -hmm. um, which we did at least three times a day for the dogs plus whatever other you know chores errands work leaving the house for the day we did mm -hmm. um, and then in dc we'd be in our, our apartment complex and then off of that, we'd be on the busy streets with all of the people doing their thing. Any yeah, we lived um, in a pretty busy area um, in DC. Like you, you step outside and like boom, you're you're in it. Like you're in the both neighborhoods of it. that we we yeah. lived in. Yeah. If I step outside of my door here, then I see some cars going by, but some trucks. Yeah. I I seldom see a neighbor, um, and if I do, there <laughs> I'd have to yell really loud. To, <laughs> You know, for them to hear me. And so if you remember, Evan, when we moved into our Adams Morgan apartment, um, if you're familiar with DC, the first apartment we lived in in 2018 was Adams Morgan, mm -hmm. um, broken glass on the sidewalk. I mean, I have a lot of love for DC, so I kind of want to say right now, like, if I shit on it a little bit, like, you know, by contrast, talk about how amazing my life is now and how shitty it was then, like, I can kind of, it's not like that. So just You and I are proud of what we did in D.C. and mm -hmm. the changes that we went through. Yeah. And so sometimes we build up the difficulties of it to yeah, accentuate absolutely. how, you know, the work that we did. It was absolutely on our um, bucket list. I don't know if you remember this, Evan, but on our mm -hmm. honeymoon in Costa Rica, we made a bucket yeah. list of what things we wanted to do together before we died. Like our, our kind of marriage bucket list. Yeah. And to me, something that I wrote was live in a city I couldn't afford. Like I wanted that experience <laughs> of like the corner store Yeah. and I wanted to like walk to the laundromat and I wanted to like, um, you know, carry my groceries four flights of stairs up. Like I, I wanted to meet somebody on the bus. Like just, I wanted to walk to like the hippest places in the country. Yeah. I wanted to like see so closely some of the biggest monuments in the world and Absolutely. then very quickly i mean the universe arranged for that so what i was going to say is i don't know if you remember this but when we moved into the adam morgan apartment um fifteen hundred dollars of rent our apartment was one bedroom none of the doors worked um so when people would come to visit us we would be like oh yeah sorry i won't look if you're using the bathroom <laughs> well they had to walk through they, they okay. slept on the floor in our living room walked through our bedroom to yeah. get to the bathroom yeah our kitchen was terrible. It was like long and skinny. And yeah. I had to pull out a drawer to put a cutting board on the open drawer just to have a surface. Yeah. I mean, uh. it was real rugged city living. Like, just that, like, <laughs> character building, cockroaches, like, rats downstairs, city living. And that's exactly what we wanted. So when we lived there, Absolutely. I made a vision board. Um, it's currently on your laptop. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I just went to Canva and I made a vision board about, like, okay, so what seeds am I planting now for the life that I want to live? Um, and I put some things on there. Like I put a million dollar check. I put a Tesla on there. I put a baby on there. So nice. Yeah. Um, good for us on that one. Um, I remember <laughs> oh, wow. like, a, like a sleeping baby on there. Oh wow. Um, I put like a fully tatted woman because I want to be like fully tatted, tattooed. Yeah. Um, but I also put a house on there. Um, and I didn't realize, Oh, okay. So hang on before I get there. I showed the picture to you, uh, and you said... Like the whole vision board? I showed, yeah, I was like, oh, look, yeah. this is what I'm manifesting, Evan. Yeah. And then there was a picture of a house with a long driveway and a tree in the front yard, and it had shutters, and it was two stories. 
and then I showed it to, I showed it to you. Yeah. And then you were like, okay, but just like put a swing on that tree and then we're good. Oh, really? Like you said that. Yeah. You were like, oh, there just has to be a swing. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, fair enough. That's and why then... I'm saying my mind is on railroad tracks and I go along doing as I please. Uh-huh. That year after year, you know, some things don't change. Yeah, absolutely. So um, mm-hmm. my question to you, Evan, is what do you feel like you and I did on the energetic level to prepare ourselves to live from Adams Morgan in this house. Would you call it an upgrade? And what do you think energetically, because you know, practically everybody knows that you get in your car and drive away. Like what character building things, what spiritually, whatever do you think needed to happen to get from there to here? That's interesting because you and I have kind of told the story between each other of how did we get from Richmond to DC? Because that was a real step up in terms that of was, yeah. complexity and difficulty and, and our adulthood and our too. goals. Yeah. Yes. Um, it was quite so, and so, I will always credit you with that, um, inspiration and bravery to like vault us into DC yeah. because I know that, uh, I wouldn't have done that without you. I wouldn't have done that without your impetus to, leave Richmond and live in a, I, any different city, much less like, you know, the capital of the free world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Evan grew up Stone in, Temples. for context, Evan grew up in Richmond, Virginia, yeah. had never lived in another city until you were what, 24? Is that how old we were at the time? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and I have grown up um, moving all over my life. I lived in Alexandria, Virginia, which is very close to DC anyway. So it didn't feel like that much of a step. Um, I lived in Bogota, Colombia, which is also a massive city like DC. Um, but I'd never done it on my own terms and it felt so quick. I remember I went to Cartagena, Colombia for a week with a friend and I remember it felt, I don't, I know this isn't exactly how it was, but it felt like this, that, um, I was in Cartagena and I was FaceTiming you and you were like, oh, by the way, I accepted this job offer in DC. We're going to move in, yeah. in, in June <laughs> or something. And I remember like in, from my, um, from my hostel in Cartagena posting on Facebook, like. Someone needs to take over our lease. Who wants to live in then like a... What was that, March? That was uh, June. That was May. That was May. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was May. So it was like next month. Or it was April. Sorry. I'm so sorry. It was the last week of April because I remember I had just quit my nine to five job. Yeah. And I didn't really have a backup plan. I didn't know what was going to happen next. Right. Um, but, and I kind of thought about getting another job or something like that because I just quit my job. because I. And then that timing worked nicely in that you had, um planted the foundation of your business before we moved Mm -hmm. so that instead of me saying hey we're moving to a new city you just lost your job and have to start from scratch you did that starting from scratch a few months in advance i wanted to quit that job which i've talked about i have a podcast episode about it like it's called how did i know that it was time to quit my job if you're interested in that world there's another podcast episode about that it's kind of um probably about a year ago from now which again i credit you with like the inspiration and the impetus to move cities yeah. Um, for example, like so inspiration is a, is a spiritual thing. Definitely. Um, so back to the question about, so we know about the step from Richmond to DC, which felt massive and quick. It felt like just like jumping up three flights of steps. Like you right. just take a big jump and then you're somewhere new. Um, right. how would you, what would you say from DC to currently where we are now? Yeah. Um, well, of course there's Las Vegas in the middle. Right. Um, but so, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I always expected that we would leave DC and move back to the Richmond area. Um, so I guess instead of it feeling like, um, I don't know, pulling out a, a blank canvas and buying paints at the store and like getting this, you know, whole new mindset, uh, about the world, it was more like keeping a, a seed nurtured and, and well 
you know, fed and everything, that it, nurturing a small tender plant year after year. When we left Richmond, you know, I kept the seed in the pot, and as we were in D.C., I, I gave it a little bit of water and kept it warm, and then we moved to Las Vegas, and I kept watering it and giving it light. So the seed that you're metaphorically speaking about is this desire to move back to Richmond. Exactly. Okay. Were you open at any point to the idea of that not happening, depending on what you learned in D.C. or Las Vegas, or yeah. with the pandemic changing everything? Like, I'm just wondering if that at some point was not the plan, or were you open to that? Absolutely. One lesson that I've learned and live out in our marriage is knowing that you know I don't switch all the railroad tracks and and choose every path that I'm open to whatever it takes to make sure my our highest priority of uh, being each other's life partners and mm -hmm. creating our lives and our, our children's lives together mm -hmm. that's priority number one and so if moving to Richmond is the way to go about it as, as I love for it to be, mm -hmm. then that's what we'll do. Mm -hmm. But if, you know, we need to, um, go live in, uh, yurt in yurt. the tundra, then mm -hmm. that's what we'll have to do. Right. Well, I doubt that'll be it. But if, right. if we have to move to whatever place yeah. or if, um, you know, uh, you have to enter flight school and we change our life track. Wow. Like, Priority number one is is not okay. We have to move to Richmond and and plant a garden. It was just something that you you wanted. I mean, the same. That's way the way that, that I want to do it. Yeah, and yeah. and you know that you and I have talked long about why and how and mm -hmm. what what that means and um and I mean Richmond has its own particular positives and strengths, and it also just has the mere fact that I grew up here and mm -hmm. so I already have roots planted. Yeah. And that's just a huge advantage that you can't recreate later in life. Yeah. You can you can move to a new city and, and plant roots and um, I believe in you. You can go do that mm -hmm. and be successful and be great. Um, but there is something about growing up in a place that you can't recreate exactly the same. And I, I so I choose Richmond for both of those reasons because of its own particular qualities and culture and also because of just my history with it and then our history of you living yeah, here. Yeah, so we, we, we met in Richmond. I came to BCU in 2013 um, just because it was a place that was affordable um, and close by to me at the time. And some mystic inherent drive that brought you here. No, that's real. Beyond explication. I mean, that's, that's real. I did feel... This is like a whole other story, but I was at UNLV in Las Vegas living with my parents. Ooh, do you have a podcast episode about like moving to Richmond? No, but I absolutely should. So the quick yeah. and dirty, the quick and dirty of it, uh, because that is a really huge um, lesson on following your intuition and whatnot. Um, but the quick, quick and dirty of it is like, I pissed off my parents for months, just like begging to move to Rich or to move to Virginia. First of all, I, w I didn't even know, I didn't really think much of Richmond. Um, because like, you had lived in Virginia. Virginia. In I wanted high to move school. back to Alexandria where I yeah. knew people and I knew <laughs> the area. Um, and now I wouldn't really want to go back there. Um, but like I moved to Alexandria and like I just begged and begged and begged and begged. And I really just like pissed off my parents. Like I just had to fight with them like every day. And I was like, I want to go there. And they were like, but I don't understand why. Like what's there that's not here. And my dad was like, why don't you live here and like go to school and like don't have loans and you don't need to work like a job. Like we'll pay for your rent. And like, but I, and I had to tell them like, because I don't want that. I, I want to grow as a person. And I really feel, they kept trying to convince me like, what about next year? Like wait a year, wait two years and then like get your associates in Vegas. And then like, Go, it was just like, I just insisted. I was like the most stubborn I've ever been in my life. And I was like, I absolutely 
have to be in Virginia now. Yeah. And, um, my, I mean, long story short, and I could get into this in another episode, but like my dad at our wedding at his speech said like Katie had to be in Virginia. Like she just absolutely needed to move like fire and water and ice, whatever the expression is. She had to move heaven mountains, and heaven and earth, Evan yeah. and earth, Evan and earth. Okay. Thank sorry. You. Uh, <laughs> she had she absolutely had to be in Richmond in Virginia so I moved to Virginia and I was like kind of open-minded on what my next steps were and then I got a scholarship to VCU which I didn't feel very strongly about but I did um and so kind of fa fast tracking to now Evan and I are married it's fine baby on the way whatever um the idea of moving living in one stagnant place like everything that Evan just said that he wanted and had been manifesting for the past few years and like it was kind of like a slow burn like let's take this day by day let's see what happens um, we kind of like had a little, uh, curveball thrown at us with the pandemic. We moved to Las Vegas for a year. Um, but Evan held true to his vision of wanting to stay in Richmond. To me, that was like absolutely not what I wanted. Um, because I had moved my life so much. I didn't realize until recently that just like only, I've only ever known unknowns, like moving to a new city and not having any friends and not knowing where anything is like that is so in such a weird oxymoronic kind of way is so comfortable to me. It's like so familiar to me to be like, okay, I know how to establish new. I don't know how to take care of old. <laughs> um, and I had to kind of like let go of my ego on how it was meant to work. Like your ego is the part of you that wants to keep things familiar, keep things safe, um, keep things like kind of mimicking what your childhood looked like. Um, and I always just thought that it was Evan and his ego um, being like, oh, I need to be around familiarity and, you know, I need to be where my parents are and I need to be where I grew up. But in reality, like, I do think that for both of our greater goods, it's the best that we are here. Here. Um, that being said though, something that Evan said to me recently was, um, I remember like kind of expressing to him my feelings as married couples do and should continue to do. Mm -hmm. I said something along the lines of like, I don't want to move to Richmond. I just don't think it's, it's the right thing for me. I'm scared. And I'm worried and blah, 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 you know, whatever. Um, and Evan said like, you know, we can move anywhere then, but we just have, to, I want to be with you. I don't care if it's Richmond. I don't care if it's like you said, a year. I don't care <laughs> if I decide, you know, it, when you were talking about like flight schools, like, I've got I was some like, strong arguments for the yurt. Uh, <laughs> when you said flight school, I was like, I guess it's not unlike me to be like, we got to live here now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just wanted to, um, go back a second to what I said at the beginning of I'm really impressed with the studio setup you've got. Katie and I have been popping our like cracking our knuckles. We've been popping open soda cans left and right. Just all these gum. all these pop filters. I'm I'm yeah, I'm cracking the bubbles and you can't hear any of it. The pop filters Katie has. I it's it's uh I just don't have any other words for it. I don't know why you're saying this. I don't I have a pop filter but I didn't attach it. So maybe you're making fun of me for that. Well, yeah, it's it's not attached to the microphone. You've got them, like, strung up around the room just to block any direct path between, you know, if I lean over here, if I lean over here, there's a pop filter between me and the microphone wherever I go. One thing I love about Evan is his just whimsy and imagination and not afraid to say things that aren't true. <laughs> it's not true. Um, you're not a very good liar, but you are good at playing pretend. <laughs> Um, so, okay, let's go back to 2013. Mm -hmm. What was your life like before you met me? Or just like what? Okay, yeah. Yeah, go for it. Like you, Evan, uh, Evan, 2013, pre-Katie. Yes, 2013, when I was like 19 or 20, um, 
and I was in engineering school at VCU. I was living with uh, some longtime friends in an apartment on Broad Street. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, eating at Schaefer Dining the Center. Dining hall, VCU Dining Hall. Uh, and not much else. Mm -hmm. Now, I was... Um, pretty low-key in terms of my general, mm -hmm. like, interaction with the world. Yeah. Um, Did you anticipate that something was going to change in your life? Yeah, I guess I kind of knew it was going to happen, and I was somewhat afraid of making it happen myself, mm -hmm. so I knew that I could do the, like, daily lifting heavy work of, like, you know, succeeding at school and making a life for myself through like an engineering degree and mm -hmm. and being a capable engineer yeah um, and i didn't i didn't do that at all i uh i i guess around the time that katie and i met i was in my junior year of college i was reckoning with not knowing what i was doing in class and not knowing what to do to like find help and remedy that problem and so i was just giving up and spending all day in the apartment mm -hmm. And just, like kind of doing nothing. Okay. Um, but uh, I like picked up projects. I was whittling at the time. Yeah. And so I, I whittled uh, a couple of pipes. Mm -hmm. And they're really pretty beautiful. I still yeah, have that was one thing that impressed me the first time I ever went to your apartment was yeah. the projects that you obviously like worked on. Like, I like built clearly... a table that yeah, extended you the countertop. Had... Like I would be in your apartment and be like, where did you get this? And you'd say, oh, I built it. And then yeah. it's just like that clear like demonstration of engineering knowledge and like initiative <laughs> that you just were making things all day. Yeah. Um, and that is, that was, um, attractive to me. Yeah. Like, obviously somebody who's, who's thinking, I don't want to um, insult Katie by saying she got, she was attracted to some total layabout who had yeah. absolutely nothing going on in my mind. No, I was, I was like going through a, a phase of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and it all adds up to my, my personality now and yeah. it, you know it's a, a step in the ladder i think it makes but... people more interesting and humble when they have had like a dark night of the soul experience where yeah. um it's just a dusk but yeah i mean like just an experience where like the sun kind of sets on one idea one goal you had for yourself which was engineering to be an engineer like to succeed at engineering school. yeah and part like, of that was it was less of an idea i had for myself and sort of an idea that like my parents had for me or yeah. that i just kind of assumed it's a, just a, such a common idea like be an engineer like what a, a cliche of a, a life track yeah. um no shame on engineers i mean part of the reason i didn't make it through is because it's tough you, mm -hmm. you have to work hard and i wanted to be an engineer and i didn't want it i just kind of heard the cliche and was stepping along that spelled out I feel path. like most people who's, who went to college probably spent like two years of their college experience romanticizing some idea and just mm -hmm. like holding out for this like imaginary goal and those of us who are fortunate to be intuitively open um like I was when I was in Las Vegas uh for the first semester of college um and like I'd like to think that you were as well like things can come in and change you just have to be kind of receptive to that change yeah so what about yourself changed after that I, I guess mm -hmm. you and I met like right at about that time. Yeah. Um, and I'm really liking you and thinking that you were so handsome and nice. And I was pretty handsome. <laughs> and very knowledgeable about the city, which to me was a, a huge asset. Yeah. When you moved to a new city. I had been in Richmond for, I think, a total of, I want to say 14 days max. Yeah. Um, I did Welcome Week and then that or the next weekend. And then I really welcomed you. 
Yeah. Um, I met Evan the next week. Then you did Welcome you did Welcome Week, and then with me, you did Welcome Strong. Welcome Strong. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I could talk about... Um, so you and I met, and then I, you know, yeah. I, yeah, I'm interested in hearing about how you internally changed. Yeah, uh, I'll say quick that it wasn't just that I knew the city, but also that I loved it, and, and yeah. that I helped you fall in love with it. And yeah. so, yeah, the changes that I went through, I mean, um, I, for a really long time, felt uh, my pride and, like, my self-concept through my success at school, like through high school, I was just like, oh, you know, he's good at math. He gets good grades. And like, that's a huge confidence boost. And it gave me the confidence to go do other things in life. Mm-hmm. And then when that fell apart in junior year of college, I was like, oh, I don't know who I am and what to do. And, um, and so I was ready for a, a different large part of my personality to be formulated. Yeah. Um, and so then dating you and, like being good at that, being good at a relationship all of a sudden. I mean, I was okay, but uh, you were really good. Yeah. Being being good at that. And also, I think, starting from a low level of ability, like not being very good at doing relationship stuff. Of You're talking very open, things. though. I mean, like... Right. Some well, that's just... what I'm saying, is I was open for a new part of my personality to be developed. Yeah. And it was good for me not to, like, start it like, oh, here's something else that you're already pretty good at. Just keep being, you know, pretty good at it. I see. Like, that a, a growth challenge. mindset thing. Yeah, it was, it was a challenge. challenge. I was at the right place for that challenge. Yeah. And I think about that a lot, too. Um, it's, you know, fun doing a podcast about our relationship, because mm-hmm. we've told a lot of these stories. Yeah. Um, and I... So I'll, I'll take this as a chance to not just retell things we've said before, um, but to take a different perspective or, or tell like the, the gaps that we often jump across to, um, you know, re recite our favorite chapters. I can talk about is a game that you and I play sometimes, which is, you know, what would you be doing if you and I had never gotten married? Mm-hmm. And the longer our marriage goes on, the harder it is to say anything really, because it's like, well, I have no idea what I would have done for four years. Um, if you and I say I hadn't met, mm-hmm. um, eight years, if you and I had never met, yeah. um, you and I really found each other at the right moment in each other's lives mm-hmm. that, you know, if I was right now just kind of being a layabout and like smoking pot all day and doing whatever little projects, like it, it wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but since we've like grown together, um, we're, we're still in the right moment of each other's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, one part of being married to you is there's always sort of this sense of a precipice. Like, things can change massively and, and improve and grow. I mean, in, in a good way, it, it's sort of daunting, but it's it's a good thing that being married to you means that we're both primed for change in our lives. Um, and I don't think that'll stop. I mean, I think we'll keep making big changes i mean right now you and i expect a child and like that's as as big a a life change as i can imagine i couldn't imagine 19 year old my own 19 year old self pregnant i mean yeah i know it happens to some people but like and i think you and i would have done good like we would have risen to the occasion yeah yeah and i'm also curious about what that would be like yeah so what changes in yourself internally have you seen since you and I met, met and yeah, turned. yeah, um, I am much more interested in like taking on life challenges and and directing my own life um, because that's kind of what I was talking about of like 
living a cliche. Um, it's not so bad that it's like, oh, a cliche is common, it's played out. Like, no, whatever, do the same thing that somebody else has done in their life. That's great um, because you're doing it, and so it's inherently different. Yeah, absolutely. But the um, problem with it being a cliche for me was that I just hadn't considered it. Um, considered it, what, specifically? Like, what the life that had kind of been spelled out for me even meant. Oh, okay. So, I mean, similarly to how you were talking about your parents were encouraging you to stay in Las Vegas. They're like, well, you know, you don't have to pay rent. You can save money. You won't have student loans. Yeah. And become a psychologist. It's a good playing, paying career. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, I need to figure out my life for myself. You saw that a lot more clearly at age 19 yeah. than I did when we met. I, I saw at least the part where I was like, oh, I don't know how to go through keeping on the path that's been laid out for me and so, so i just so stopped i didn't like okay. <laughs> you you took this leap yeah of like i'm gonna move to richmond i'm gonna go to a school in virginia i'm gonna do something else and mm-hmm. i just like stopped i was just like uh okay um this isn't working and i just stopped so okay so to, to clarify your mm-hmm. parents had a, a dream for you that you kind of like agreed to was yeah. the engineering school right which is, engineering is a hard field to get into Sure. Um, it's a high paying career yeah. um, and it's not for the faint of heart. And so like, yeah. why not? You know, it sounds like a good idea. Right. Um, and you're clearly smart. And I mean, like I saw well, the, the things you built, like I, I figured sure. like this makes sense. Yeah. Um, and you said that you're always good at math growing up. Um, and yeah. now you are a math teacher. Yeah. You're obviously good at math. Um, and then, um, so your parents put you on this projector trajectory trajectory. Um, and then once you kind of, realized that it wasn't working you just dropped out of school like you stopped going to classes yeah 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 whereas like with the approach i took was i fought with my parents a lot and i just said like i absolutely can't be here i need to be somewhere else and my dad would challenge me with questions like well what are you gonna do and who's gonna save you and how are you much more proactive confrontational method of dealing with that problem than i did well i mean there's also something really to be said about just pausing yeah. Like, I don't think you did the wrong thing at all. If you're lost in the woods, the first thing you should do is stop. Yeah, like, just stop. And, I mean, I think yeah. I did that recently. So, um, with my own personal projects, lately, I was feeling like my business was out of alignment for me. Like, I was going somewhere mm. that I didn't really want to go. Mm. I didn't really know where I was going. Kind of feeling like lost in the woods. Yeah. Um, but I had had, like, these previous successes that I didn't really want to or didn't know how to replicate. Um, but I had so many previous failures that I was afraid of replicating. Um, in my business and I just stopped. Yeah. Um, I just completely stopped. I didn't really, and I've done this a few times. So like I didn't get confrontational and fight anybody and like need to break free of anything. Like I just stopped. And so I don't think that what you did was wrong. Yeah, no, no, there's, there's no right and wrong. Right. (laughs) And I mean, we all learned some way and I think that you still learn this lesson at a fair, at the right time. Um, and now I wouldn't, I, I sometimes I think about how our lives were when we met yeah and what our lives are like now and i'm a little astonished that they're the same people but then at the same time like it makes perfect sense because yeah. people live and succeed out of polarity yeah um like you said you're you're a math teacher now i mean mm-hmm. i will venture to say that you're doing very well thanks um you're, you're you're somebody who everyone okay so this is how i feel about you and this is how i feel everyone else feels about you mm. that you are just like so obviously in your element like i've heard your mom talk about what you do now like when she, i've heard her brag about you as a teacher i've yeah. heard her ask questions like it, it they're like they're just so obviously like in a line you're so obviously in alignment with what you meant to do and like 
one thing that Evan tells his students I think is really sweet is like there's nowhere else I'd rather be. I mean could you imagine if you're a math teacher growing up like think about the math environment and like being a high schooler and like how stressful it is. I feel like for me my math teacher like emphasizing like there's nowhere else I'd rather be than here helping you and letting you helping you learn and helping you figure this out. Yeah. Like that is so affirming. Yeah, I love my job. Uh, yeah, and be. you're you're obviously very good at it. And like math is like such a it's like money. Like a lot of way a lot of people feel about money is because yeah. math and money just like go hand in hand in a lot of ways. And like yeah. the trauma that people have felt around um, numbers and mm -hmm. organizing your numbers and like facing your numbers. Like yeah, I think that's like I mean that money conversation is a whole other thing. And I want to get yeah. your sister Emily back on the podcast. We can talk about money. I need to ask you if um, you're ready for a money date later today. Yeah, yeah. So Evan and I do have money dates. Yes, I'd love to have a money date with you. Great. Evan and I have money dates where we sit down, we have some kombucha, we get a snack. <laughs> um, I I Katie make sure. an incense. Yeah, I'll light an incense, candles, Play crystals, music, whatever. Like yeah. just make it. I pull up the spreadsheets. Yeah. So like make it so that it's not this like confrontational kind of experience. Um, mm -hmm. I realized that like, like a few years ago, I was like maybe 20, 22 or something that I realized like I avoided looking at my bank account at all costs. And when I did, it was always this like duck and run kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then be like looking at the bank account in line for Starbucks being like, can I afford this coffee? Yeah. Um, okay yeah barely but oh shit like i i'm not i mean one day i'm just gonna like voice all of my terrible money mindset that i used to have because i know that a lot of people feel that way but anyway that's a whole yeah absolutely about. so evan and i have money dates and the point is to make them you can do these with yourself like by yourself the point is to like make them as pleasurable an experience as possible i mean like right. you can go out to a restaurant and do them there at like a nice ambiance like True. That would be pretty cool. Make sure um, you don't mind staying at the table for a long time, you know, until it's yeah. done. You don't want to say like, oh, we have to leave. So we get to cut our, our like problem solving session yeah. short. No, you know, I go mean, to go to a coffee shop or a cafe, which yeah, is a nice thing to that's do. A, yeah, I mean, just but like, make sure you can be there for two hours. Yeah, whatever it is, just like make it a pleasurable experience for yourself. Um, so that just kind of goes hand in hand with yeah. what we were talking about, like with how Evan makes math just like so much more palatable i think yeah um, so and now and now yeah. your your parents are proud of you and like everyone is proud. Oh, you're thanks. obviously like living in your element you're obviously doing yeah. what you meant to be doing and it must have taken some bravery right to 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 do that sure to to change that um, yeah yeah so, i mean yeah. to change from the person i was in what 2013 um to the person i am now uh yeah, is is it's a drastic change. I mean, I, I think about if you somehow threw, uh, through a time portal, through Evan from twenty thirteen into my shoes right now, like how would I adjust or what would I say and do differently? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and there'd be a lot of like, you know, scared running away from things. Yeah. That now are just part and parcel of my life. They're my my daily routine that would be just too difficult for um, 19, 20 year old Evan to do. But yeah. also I, I know that eh, give him a, a few months and some coaching and he would rise to the occasion. Yeah. I like, mean, I guess like he would love a lot of stuff about my life right now. He would yeah. love most of it. It would just be difficult. He would love it. He would, it would be ecstatic. Mm -hmm. I am ecstatic. I love my life. I, yeah. you and I have kept created beautiful things and, mm -hmm. and we're just getting started and I'm so in love with you yeah, and nice. the, our, our <laughs> lives are good. We're good at what we do. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, uh, been a, uh, long, 
climb up here mm -hmm. and the view is so worth it yeah yeah so um a little pivot um how was the pandemic with like being quarantined mm -hmm. being together yeah with with me like yeah. how was that experience yeah um, that's like yeah uh and then with like everything going on in the news and like everything going on in our, our external world yeah um how how would you say that that was how did you how would you say we handled that I think it's really worthwhile to talk about the conditions of our lives, mm -hmm. the context um, through all of that. I know for some people, like, the pandemic meant that they still had to go to their job in the service industry. They had to get on a train mm -hmm. um, and be around people, be in crowds. Mm -hmm. um, they had to rely on the mask uh, and maybe sometimes just their own because somebody else wasn't wearing one mm -hmm. to keep them and their family safe. Um, so I just want to talk about context that when the pandemic came on in March of 2020, uh -huh. I was teaching at Idea Public Charter School in DC. I was commuting there and then uh, the school moved to um, online teaching. I uh, did everything from my laptop in our apartment uh -huh. at home. I did not go to the school uh, and that was how the school operated through the end of the school year. Mm -hmm. um, completely virtual. Completely virtual. I, um, you know, eventually turned in my computer to the school and that was sort of my goodbye to that job that yeah. had been so fundamentally, um, uh, uh, so foundational For, to so formative my formative. Your, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and then we moved to Las Vegas Yeah. and, um, it's also worth mentioning, I, I feel like, um, I remember when the pandemic started, everybody was anticipating a baby boom, like everyone's in their homes, oh, but yeah. what ended up happening was a divorce spike. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think child care, uh, child birth rates went down. Yeah. Um, true. was what I remember reading online. Um, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I think that's important to or mention. Or conception like rates, how... it's, uh, it was, you know, only now or would we be seeing the birth rates? I mean, it's nine months, more than nine okay, months fair. in the beginning. Okay, fair, conception but... rates. Right. right, but yeah, the data um, shows that it was not like, uh, I don't know, a snowstorm where everybody cuddles up for a, a few days. Right, it was, it was uh, the divorce spiked. And like, yeah. I'm sure there's lots of content out there and a lot of people are talking about how it was like a huge spiritual awakening for a lot of people, which yeah. if I may toot my own horn, I feel like the majority of the spiritual awakening that was happening yeah. and a lot of the, 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 like the, I think of like the tower card on tarot, it's like yeah. the crumbling, the mercury, mercury, mercury mercury retrograde like a lot of people were just like oh my gosh like my external environment is falling apart therefore i need to focus mm -hmm. on my internal i feel like that a lot of that work was at work that evan and i had done oh already. yeah yeah like just right. the internal work of like i like the, like the in 2018 i quit my job because i realized that like the industry as we know it like is due for a revolution like i predicted this revolution of of, of like a low um like low employment rates because people don't want to work lots of hiring signs like i predicted this in 2018 because i realized like collectively a lot of people would just realize like hey this sucks yeah um so for context what i was doing i was working full-time on my i was working my business um that we know and love and then also i was a manager at a bar restaurant down the street from me in dc um and i quit when the pandemic hit because i was like i don't need this um these aren't the terms i agreed to yeah this isn't fun for me one of the things that really kept me going in that job was the people and getting to talk to them and getting to be close to them and like the then customers or the customers the, and the and the and the your coworkers. Um, my coworkers. okay yeah. yeah like that was what got me through the day like yeah. i mean a part of me felt when i was working there that i was like i'm too 
occasionally I feel like I'm too old for this, even though I was, like, by no means the oldest person working there. Sure. But, like, I kind of just felt like, ugh, like, I'm over this. I don't want to be here. Yeah. But what kept me going was, like, the people. Like, um, AOC was a yeah. regular there. I got to meet her. Um, and just, like, interesting people, important, some important politicians. Well, it, it speaks to, I know that when you worked at Starbucks, you never would have said that the customers were part of what made no, it no great way. to be, no, like, no you know, this exposure to people. <laughs> and, like, oh, I met met interesting customers. Like, no, 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 no. No, you had maybe one or two regulars you talked about. Yeah. Um, but it was my, it was my friends that I slipstream. Worked, worked with. So at right. Slipstream, you had the both. I worked with. You had the friends you worked with. And yeah, the it was the, the people were interesting and, like, I had that space to yeah. talk to them like actually talk to them whereas like, at other food service jobs i feel like there's no time to actually make connections yeah. with people you, you have to like run 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 constantly but at slipstream it was slow paced enough that i could establish meaningful connections and so i started talking about wearing masks and social distancing and like um there, it took there, away there, the most important exactly and part the, of the job one of thing, what it was worthwhile to you not not the money side of it but the like the spiritual personality development right side. and like that was the thing that I, I i got that got me out of bed early in the morning was to go and know that i was going to be sustained energetically by the neighborhood which is something yeah. that, i mean i have local neighborhood values and i know you do too um so like knowing that i could get there and like talk to that one regular or like mm -hmm. meet somebody new and then like get to start a conversation with them feeling empowered to do so because like if it goes yeah wrong like whatever which is why i feel so strongly about our move to richmond is that that community value of seeing people again and again and building our relationships and and feeling like mm -hmm. a person in a city who continues to like grow and put in roots rather than like a, a ghost passing through who like right. has singular interactions that never add up right and... so dc was a very transient city it was hard to like but slipstream the coffee mm -hmm. shop bar it restaurant like a... that katie's talking about yeah. was uh, an, uh, uh, an facet of community, an yeah. oasis of community in a very yeah. transient That's city. how it felt. And so around this time during the pandemic, like with what was going on in the media and like what was kind of being shared on social media at this time, which was like March, April time, um, there was a air of suspicion of the people around you. Like, I mean, whether or not people want to admit it, there was this suspicion being perpetuated that like anybody could have COVID don't trust anybody it's not just a sickness for old people like it's a thing that anybody could carry yeah. and even your own mother you should you should be away from her and like so there was that talk and so people were being yeah. very i remember i was teaching yoga at this time and i taught a yoga class um uh also in, in navy yard in dc and i remember um we weren't wearing masks at that point because it wasn't at that point yet um but it was like before things started to close down and I remember, like, people would just not talk afterwards, which was really sad to me. Like, mm. you teach a yoga class, and you're used to people, like, kind of smiling and talking and chit-chatting yeah. on their way out. But then, like, right. people would just, like, kind of awkwardly look down and leave. And I remember that, like, being really heartbreaking for me before, yeah. before, before like, masks were enforced and things started closing down. Um, so there's the context. Um, so people critique the term social distancing sometimes because, oh, no, it means physical distancing. We should mm -hmm. still be social. But you can't separate them, no doubt. Uh, the pandemic and the precautions that are, are good and worthwhile mm -hmm. have a negative effect on our social lives, our yeah. social health. And nobody wanted to make anybody else feel uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, right. I remember I went to a Trader Joe's one day and I was wearing a mask. Um, and it was like when they were limiting the number of people mm -hmm. who could be in a Trader Joe's. And then yeah. also there was like, do you remember the face? Okay, so I don't know if you remember this, but whoever is listening, I don't know if you remember like this phase of the CIA, of the CIA, oh my God, the pandemic, where like everybody knew somebody who knew somebody whose mom's dog's brother worked for the CIA and like somebody knew, everybody knew somebody who heard something somewhere where like the word on the street, I'm talking like 
late March time or like early March time. Very like early in the pandemic. Pandemic. Like there was like whispers going around yeah. that like martial law was about to take place. <laughs> and if you didn't have like three weeks of groceries on hand, you would die. Like yeah. I remember learning, I remember actually going huh. on um, someone's live stream. Yeah. And, sh and she said, we are about to go into martial law. You absolutely need to be prepared for this. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I bought a, like a big bag full of rice and beans and no. <laughs> maybe some salsa. But uh, just like I, I bought some, you know, uh, groceries that would store well yeah and now i'm like oh why don't i have a a stock i i don't remember the martial law thing specifically but yeah i mean people were uh, afraid and nobody yeah. knew what was going to happen so i went to trader joe's and i remember just like feeling fear in my body and like having done somatic work and having done spiritual work i recognized that feeling of like oh this is fear in my body and it feels like a cattle prod to me now because it's like yeah. i've done the work of making it feel more foreign to my body than it just being like kind of like an everyday Hmm. poison that you hmm. live with yeah um, and i mean if you can feel it more clearly like fear is a very effective response that can tell you when to run away or when to pay attention or something yeah um but i remember being in that trader joe's and feeling the fear so thick in the air so i made a point to like look at people and smile at them through my mask that's nice and people didn't smile back they would like not make eye contact like a right. lot of people were looking down a lot and it's because it was it was scary like yeah you didn't people didn't know and i remember thinking like wow can you get covid through smiling at somebody mm -hmm. i don't know and it i think there is something to be said about like kind of cutting through that fear like a butt like with a butter knife and just like yeah like a butter knife with a butter knife um yeah yeah i don't know what you cut through fear with besides a smile yeah uh, butter or steak knife butter or steak knife so it's it's so easy to talk about the pandemic endlessly it's easy, it's easy. i'm wondering you had asked me early like how is the pandemic for me i talked about cons con um context yeah for us what, do, couple, what do you want like, to what yeah what do you want to talk about the t pandemic for like how did how did we deal with it like how did you and i i think one thing that was really important to our relationship was talking about like what we learn together almost every day. Okay. So what I'm talking most specifically about news and like what's going around and like everyone's freaking out and like yeah. what have you, like you and I would kind of get together at the end of the day and like share resources on what we learn. Yeah. Um, a lot of couples apparently don't do that. Um, I'll say that this conversation is, is not even our typical conversation. Like we've mostly talked about our past and our, our stories, our chapters, but normally you and I are talking about what we saw and experienced in the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. We just like stay up to date with what is mm -hmm. on each other's minds. And a lot of that is, yeah, what are we reading? What did you hear today? What What is the news? What's the yeah. word on the street? Um, and um, you would kind of keep me grounded in some way where if I read some conspiracy theory somewhere, yeah. I would be like, whoa, I read this thing. What do you think? Right. And then you would say, like, well, I did the research over here. I mean, Evan and I very much value, I think Evan more so than I. want to talk about the context um okay. and and yeah what what was our context in the pandemic and then uh -huh. what did it mean for you and me and um okay. i personally like my personality i was more well suited for being indoors a lot not having a lot of social interaction uh -huh. um i i don't think that i need as much uh social interaction to stay grounded and to maintain my personality and my energy levels um so i, I felt easy enough not to like go down wormholes or or mm -hmm. have my mind fly fly out into space for just the fact of the unusual abnormal context of like living in doors through the pandemic but okay so context of pandemic we were in our apartment in dc i was teaching from home it was not a lot of work 
Uh, it was way less work than like what being a teacher normally means. Normally yeah. it's so um, consuming, but teaching online, I was sort of looking for like, what am I going to do to take up eight hours? Mm-hmm. We didn't do live classes just to also say that like, mm-hmm. it, it really was such a, a shift. What it meant for Katie and I was that um, we were just in our apartment on our computers all day the dogs loved it the dogs loved it yeah and so i mean i was really glad because instead of um doing this difficult challenging work all the time no it's just hanging out with my wife and that was lovely (laughs) and we we would kind of bicker and we got on each other's nerves i mean it wasn't like there was much to do to um blow off steam uh so it it was sort of that like you know being inside the tea kettle and and pressure just building up of like uh-huh. being inside the apartment um so you know we we it, it was a little rough and grinding on us but overall a nice thing that uh-huh. um we we talked through our thoughts and feelings and we like as we always do and we um yeah. made our plans for the future and then we moved to las vegas and um that was uh such a shift for so many reasons one thing it meant was that we could be in different rooms Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <For> <laughs> and not just time. like the kitchen and the bathroom but like yeah we could just be in different rooms that and not being so close to the wire with our monthly budget because mm-hmm. we weren't in the expensive city of dc mm-hmm. and we were living with katie's parents who you know, didn't charge us rent um mm-hmm. we just all of a sudden were not under we, we weren't in the tea kettle anymore somebody took the lid off we could you know the gas could escape yeah and that was, that so was huge. I, I didn't really realize it until we were in las vegas i was like oh you know what we're, we're just not like arguing about stuff like and you know all the same thing like you know there's dishes in the sink or there's chores to be done and um and maybe more because we had four dogs in the house and five people making mm-hmm. dishes etc mm-hmm. um but we just didn't, there wasn't that pressure. So I, I just want to continue talking about the pandemic and the context that like, it looked so different for people. And for us, it made a lot of things easy and low stress. I had a government job. I mean, I still do, but just that continuity uh-huh. and stability meant that a lot of, we, we were sheltered from the, you know, the inherent instability and uncertainty of the pandemic and the uh-huh. layoffs and, um, furloughing and, and etc yeah i think it's really important to just like you know share our, our context and what that yeah, meant acknowledge that, that so when yeah. when we say like oh it was you know our, our the divorce spike did not touch us part of that is the ease of our context but the other part is absolutely what katie said what you said about um like we had done the work already mm-hmm. you said that a lot of couples were confronted with things that otherwise they'd been able to ignore because yeah. you know they they went to work in the morning and then they got home and they entertained themselves and didn't have to talk about whatever it is that drove the wedges into their their marriages yeah katie and i had already done the work and um that again it's because katie is so um determined and thorough in her like emotional hygiene um her determination to mm-hmm. talk through what is on her mind currently and why she feels the way she does about, you know, what our lives are like right now and what our plans for the future are. Um, work continues daily. We, yeah. we just live in that habit. Um, yeah. And I so mean, when what? the pandemic came on and we were kind of stuck indoors, it wasn't like, oh, my God, all of a sudden the floodgates are open. We have to, like, talk through all of our issues. It was yeah. like, oh, like, now we'll continue doing what we've always done of talking through our thoughts and feelings. We just have way more hours in the day to, like, 
goof around. Yeah, and, and I mean, nice. I also want to say, like, I know we did have the privilege of being able to move in with my parents in Las Absolutely. Vegas. For those of you who followed me at the time that I was in Las Vegas, it just seemed like I was always gallivanting somewhere outdoors mm -hmm. because there was a lot of space out there, more so than in D.C., to just, like, be out and, like, right. away from people, and we could travel safely, and yeah. um, that was really cool. And, and we, we weren't, to... like, you know, going to restaurants to find something to do yeah we like, oh we do don't want to go indoors so yeah. what else are we what are we going to do to entertain ourselves um, well, let's go gallivant and that was a huge privilege but i also want to mention that like doing the internal work that i've done mm -hmm. to clear that relationship with my parents it wasn't always I yeah mean, like, I, I just talked about a few minutes <laughs> for, ago for you and i not arguing with each other you definitely got into it with your parents i mean so okay so because again there was that about, work to do i mean i just talked about it's a good a thing at the beginning of this podcast about how when i was 19 18 19 I was living with my parents and I was just like fighting with them every day. Like I just so desperately wanted to leave. Yeah. And now at the age of 26, I wanted to go back. Like, yeah. what, like, so I had a to beautiful do thing. the work to pave the way. And also the work to pay attention to that, that like that pebble in your shoe, mm -hmm. knowing that something needs to change eventually. So that yeah. when the pandemic hit, that was just kind of like the nail in the coffin to be like, okay, let's go. It wasn't like we were prepared emotionally, financially, spiritually yeah. like we were just prepared to, yeah. to move to las vegas it yeah. wasn't like uh, we were not blindsided by anything and that's we had what made I, our decision to move before um the pandemic hit the u.s yeah and then that happened and it was just kind of like well this is an easy no-brainer and yeah. we're so fortunate that we have the resources and the relationship to do so and the desire because also living back out west was also something on our marriage bucket list was yeah i wanted to just like one more time before i settled down and die like live out west for a little bit and we lived intensely in Vegas for a year. We traveled a lot. We went downtown a lot and had fun. Yeah. Um, safely outdoors. Yeah. Um, a lot. And it was um, very, very fulfilling for me. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I wanted to mention that, like, when you live authentically, when you live... Yeah. When you live paying attention to your intuition, when you live in, like, constant communication with the people around you, you have more sensitivity to, like, the metaphorical pebble in your shoe when something is off and... Your, you know, your your intuition will never, like, scream at you and be like, turn right now! Like, you know, it'll usually give mm -hmm. you, like, a very silent, or not a silent, like, a very quiet, peaceful suggestion all mm. the time. Be like, hey, yeah. look into look into this. Like, how much would it cost for you to move here? Or, like, I'm just curious, are there, is there anywhere hiring right now? Or is this, like, this, this random curiosity that doesn't make sense um, that I bring to Evan, like, all the time? I'm like, I'm just curious what would it look like if we did this? Like hypothetically, yeah. and then your, <laughs> your view very much go with the flow, despite hmm. being grounded and rooted. And, you know, you talked about how you love Richmond and you never wanted to leave. Yeah. Um, you, you are open-minded and like curious as well. Um, so like, that's what it looks like to just kind of live more in alignment with your intuition. Um, hmm. Never want to move away, just to clarify. Not that I never want to leave, but I never want to leave to live permanently in another place yeah, yeah yeah i mean richmond does have it all i mean i get triggered because we already a, you know we're, we talk about where we want to travel and what i have such a hard time feeling like i'm going to be i'm going to grow up and be boring but a couple people have said to me like oh katie you could never be boring and that makes me feel better mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean these things like keeping our our relationship clear through our talking about our thoughts and feelings of the kind of day-to-day -day and also our hopes and dreams of the future um and also, like, Katie not being boring because she has the, the personality type of adventure yeah. and, and imagination about what's possible. Um, I, I think a metaphor is really apt of, like, brushing your hair, for example. Mm -hmm. You and I both have long hair. Yeah. And 
if you don't brush it, it gets tangled. Yeah. You just do it like a little bit every day, then it's easy. Yeah. But if you yeah. just like wait until you have this big knotted mat of hair on your head, then you have to do a lot of work. Yeah. So how you would could you say like cleaning a house or whatever, like yeah, I would do a little bit every day. Clean your and filters like, or something. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. you could be um, you you could just take little daily action every day to kind of live more in alignment with who you want to be. Yeah. And in alignment with the relationship, so it's really important to bring the people around, bring the people yeah. around you with you. Like I'm constantly in contact with mm. you about ideas i've had and like conspiracies i've read on the internet or whatever just like all these things that yeah. come up and then i share them with you and then we're in alignment i did the same thing with my parents when we lived with them i was always telling them what was new with me what was fresh with me what i thought what my opinions were and then maybe it's a little bit awkward at first but then they're like they kind of catch on and then people start to share with you back yeah um so i have a question for you that kind of changes the direction a little oh. bit um what relationship advice would you give mm -hmm. to somebody who feels like they're well, you gotta massage your wife's feet yeah you gotta you're gonna you're gonna you know say this that and goes that without saying you gotta put the gloves on get the get the dremel and the grinder oh out God. get the little toe picks goodness crack your knuckles is that something you've ever had to do before every day all right okay <laughs> They're not gross. We do. We we picked all the crud out. Remember? Right. He's trying to be funny. All right, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um. So moving on. Okay. So let's say that somebody is single and they feel like they'll just never meet. Yeah. Somebody. They're like kind of giving up hope. Okay. Okay. Let's say this person. Yeah. Let's say this person is in doing their best to be in spiritual alignment with themselves and the world around them, and they believe yeah. that the more work they do on themselves, yeah. The, smaller dating pool they have and the less chances they oh good have. that's statistically like narrowing down your options right i mean <laughs> if your options right? are, like, are more limited okay. that means you're not just randomly throwing a, a dartboard at the you're map. not wasting your yeah. time i mean like people yeah. go to college yeah. so that they can not just have a job yeah. but so they can have a specific specialized job with a certain pay right and a certain amount of benefits and a certain amount of impact they can make right so let's say this person um is very spiritually tuned or wants to be spiritually tuned or yeah um most just like living an authentic life yeah um doing the inner work doing the outer yeah. work but they just are certain that like no partner mm -hmm. exists for them because they've made their dating pool smaller and smaller yeah what would you say to that person or what advice would you give um I would tell them that, again, like, limiting the options is a good thing. You're more likely to meet somebody and and have a great time with that person who is a good match for you. Yeah. I would tell them about kind of the trade-offs that are inherent to life. For example, uh, I'll make a quick metaphor that really ties together closely. Yeah. Uh, we talked about living in Richmond, and I made the case of, like, growing up in a place and how irrep... Uh, uh, how it's impossible to replicate or copy mm -hmm. um you can't you can't fake it i'm another thing you could do is keep moving to new different cities and reinventing yourself mm -hmm. and having like this bohemian lifestyle mm -hmm. and those are both beautiful things and you should do whichever one is more aligned to you but you can't do both you can't like grow a big old tree of a life that's permanent and steady mm -hmm. and has deep roots in one place and at the same time be a bird and fly around um, so there's trade-offs and, and if you try to do both, then they'll both have some advantages and both will, will suffer and not be the full complete thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the same thing with like love and relationships of if you just want to throw the dart at the map, so to speak, and go with whoever kind of comes into your life first, like you can, 
adapt and um, make a life and find kind of compromises and, and ways of living with that person. Mm-hmm. Or you can be very like self-defined and clear on your own personality your own Mm. like track for life yeah and that will narrow the options and then you'll find somebody who is a good match with the very clearly defined person that you are but you can't do both you can't just kind of randomly choose somebody and then like stay on your own railroad tracks and be very like stuck to your own personality so what you're saying here is like you can't just like keep dating around because you're lonely and just like Mm -hmm. take somebody with emotional investment i mean i I do believe that there's like if you just want to like get sexual experience or just like have sure. dating experience. Like, yeah, absolutely. I believe, Romantic experience. I believe, and I've actually listened to a, a podcast episode about um, a woman who does like sexual healing acupuncture mm-hmm. where she talked about um, how you can talk about puncture d- date, date around and keep the energy the way she put it in your first two chakras, meaning like mm. keep it purely like primal, keep it physical. That sex might you, be a deep connection and important, but it's not a heart or a, celestial mind you, connection you it's can, a, it can be a but you root can, chakra and a, a sex chakra you can connection. keep it down like purely physical, that makes sense to me yeah. purely like just for fun so like yeah. i uh, before i met evan i was living in alexandria virginia and i was commuting up to dc a lot and just like going on lots of dates and to yeah. me i was not very emotionally invested in any of them i was right. hungry i wanted free food time of life and context right you but, asked about uh what advice would i give to somebody who has done the spiritual work and has gotten clear and it's yeah. different advice than i would give to somebody who's like very young and has not like found themselves yet and then i would give advice more of like oh the world is your oyster and the options are open like mm-hmm. fall in love and trust your gut but somebody who's older and has done more of the mm-hmm. like step by step molding themselves and, and sculpting themselves, I say like you know who you are and you know what relationships will be important to you. Yeah. And I would also give the like advice of being really open about what kind of relationship or relationships mm-hmm. plural that you're interested in. Yeah, um, knowing or what you willing want is to always good advice. Like right. what do you want? And not yeah. being caged in by cliches that yeah um are are really spelled out and very clear in our cultural consciousness of what relation a relationship looks like Mm -hmm. but being open about what your relationship or relationships plural can look like yeah yeah um so i feel like to kind of recap yeah you I, i love that you mentioned the fallacy that you're not necessarily like making your dating pool smaller and like making yourself statistically unavailable for so many more people i mean they talk about that business with like niching down like if you niche down if you specialize yeah i mean like one thing that motivated me when i worked in food service to make a parallel mm-hmm. when i worked in food service when there was like days where people were tr- not treating me nice and it was like just really hard yeah. um i was motivated by the fact that i was in college and mm. that one day i would have a job where i didn't have to be doing this because right. that's why people go to college so yeah. they can specialize and so like if you're dealing with bad energy in your dating life yeah um or whatever you want to call it good you're learning the lesson but you're and you're continuing to do your practices you're continuing to stay in therapy there's no better time to learn the lesson than right now right um so i love that you kind of cleared that up because that's something that i've heard a lot of people say is like i don't want to work on myself in relationships because you know in relationships when you when someone breaks up or something the advice is like oh just work on yourself Hmm. i actually gave that advice to a friend once and she got really mad at me Hmm. um because i said like all you can do now is take better care of yourself that's like that's literally your only option you Hmm. just Hmm. lost a boyfriend and so i love that you kind of cleared that up and being like 
well, you want to reduce the dating pool. You want to save your time. <laughs> like, I mean, would you rather yeah. date one person for 10 years and break up? Or would you rather date 20 people in 10 years? Like, I mean, it kind of sure. depends on your lifestyle. And yeah. so you kind of said, like, what do you know? Or what, what, what do you want is another, yeah. another huge thing that you mentioned. I think that's really, really good advice. Hmm. For someone who's only ever had one successful, serious relationship, such as yourself, <laughs> um, Evan yeah. was, I was your, correct me if I'm wrong, I was your first serious girlfriend. I guess kind of uh, depends on our definition sure, I mean, of serious, but you, you don't. I, yeah, it's, I mean, I had high school girlfriends, um, and I dated one person in college, and it was not by any means as, as serious or, like, I, I didn't have the mental capacity to make it as serious as your relationship with me. Yeah. I, like, I, I would give, I don't have advice from my own life experience of somebody who's, like, as an adult, you know, uh, been self-sufficient and independent and has a really clear self-concept and, like, maybe dates a few people mm-hmm. and those relationships don't work out or um somehow end in conflict uh like I, I don't have advice for how that person can fix or change that situation right. that's not me yeah my my experience of relationships was like but you said context is important so yeah i mean you met me and yeah. i made you toughen up yeah no other relationship <laughs> in my life like compares even remotely to the the depth of connection and mm-hmm. um like investment of of self yeah. that you and I have and I feel like something that I've, I've done for you um a lot is like this constant desire for you to be, be- okay I, this is gonna sound bad uh I don't know how to say it like you for push you to be better. Yeah. like I, do, I said I you, do you're thorough and dedicated yeah. to like that's a nice self-improvement because I'm of, like of, instead of being like in, of I didn't want to change yeah. you it wasn't that I was trying to change you it's just that like I do and I was talking on the phone with your sister last week I, I said Aww. that like I I knew that already but yeah. it's nice <laughs> Like, I want everyone around me who yeah. touches my auric field to mm-hmm. be better all the time. Like, yeah. Um, like you want I, them I, to have done their homework. I want kids to show up to class already having done the work to be yeah. ready to, like, think and learn for the day. Because yeah. it's a waste of time if we spend the first, you know, 30 minutes of class just, like, waking up the fact that you can yeah. think and do math God, at all. Yeah. And I mean, your if you show up like... to a relationship, like, hey, I know things that I like. I know what is important to me. I enjoy the things that I enjoy instead of being like, oh, I'm a miserable wretch until you yeah. like do the work for me to like yeah. have a, a conversation at all. Or I mean, uh, if a student says to you like, Mr. Hurt, can't you just be happy that I'm here? Yes, but also I need you to do these things. I need right. you to take your homework home. I know so that you can be better than just showing up exactly. with your body. Oh, did you bring a, a pencil today? Great, you're a little bit more prepared. I know you made an <laughs> attitude choice when you woke up this morning to yeah. bring a pencil, and that means that you're thinking about creating something today yeah. instead of like just being here, letting the world like hit you like a wet fish and do what it will to you. <laughs> and that is exactly... No, you're here to exert your will on yourself and the world. Yeah, That's that is exactly the energy I have with people around me. Um, yes, you, yeah, you want the people around you to know something about themselves and, uh, know why they're like here with you. Like, are they, are, uh, we've all been maybe, uh, when you're a kid, maybe now there's somebody that you work with or a friend or, Mm -hmm. um, just when you're at a party, you just like naturally find yourself like kind of looking at that person, like waiting for them to entertain you or to like lead the group and, um, you know, we naturally seek out leaders. I'm not saying you have to like take control of every room that you're in, but, uh, just like know what you're looking at that person for. Yeah. Like, why are you over here with this person? Do you just like out of habit, let them tell you what to think about? Or, um, are you there to like co-create, uh, whatever? Are you there to like share an experience and teach them something, learn something about yourself from them? And, um, 
And when that works out, yeah. like, so the analogy I was making earlier about like going to college so you can have like a more specialized job, a better job, whatever. The analogy I was making of that with relationships is like the more specialized you can get in your relationships, the more specific you can be with the type of people you want to be around, the more grace you can show them. That to me is the metaphor yeah. of like receiving higher pay and benefits. It's like hmm. you do this work so that your relationships are more fulfilling yeah. instead of like, I know at one point I was in a, my life where I just like had a lot of dead weight in my life. There's a lot mm -hmm. of just people who weren't really giving anything yeah. and were not receiving what I was giving. And so like, that's mm. just a misalignment. Yeah. But now I feel like everyone in my, my life, especially with you, like yeah. it's high pay, high benefit. Like I yeah. worked hard to have this specialized job of being your wife. Yeah. That is high pay, high benefit. And now I can see so much more clearly this is a whole other podcast episode. But like, I do see more clearly now the how many people are settling in their relationships because they're afraid of being alone. Like, it's just hmm. like such a clarity I have now. Oh. Um, people are messing around, like settling for less because they're figuring out these things that we're talking about, and we hmm. are by no means have arrived. But I do feel right. like relationships and being your wife is something that I'm very good at. Absolutely. Um. So one thing I'm really good at is getting that grinder and getting the edge of the corner of the bunion. Oh to <laughs> to relieve you, a little pressure can on. Can you please like make a disclaimer though that you don't actually do that and that you don't actually. I have the Dremel going right now, but these pop filters and the soundproofing you put up in the in this studio in our bedroom is oh. just incredible. You guys, <laughs> I'm turning it on and off. You can't even hear the the okay. you know the grinding whine of the um, the Dremel. Evan has never given Evan has never Evan has never given me a pedicure in his life. <laughs> Um, yeah, I wouldn't call it a you pedicure. Start, if you're gonna be it's not a cure. It's more palliative care. Oh my God. If, if you're going to be fronting <laughs> like this on my podcast, you better actually start giving me foot Yeah, um, I owe you. Here, any, I'll rub your feet right now. No, Pop it up. No. All right. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, okay. So on this podcast, I talk about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I really do. But the main message was this download that I received in 2018. We were in our Adam Morgan apartment. Mm -hmm. And I was really, really frustrated that my life wasn't looking like this person's life or this influencer's yeah. life or this celebrity's life or this whatever person's life. And I was really just like trying to, um, yeah. I actually went through, I actually like called this, I had, I had like a phone call with this like coach who was also a psychic and she helped me with, I'm getting to a question here. So I'm getting to the point. Mm -hmm. Um, she helped me guide me through this, this, um, this meditation that she called sourcing, um, yeah. where, uh, you envision someone in your life that you admire mm -hmm. and then you like step into their body and then like you are in that person's soul, like you are in that person's body in, in this meditation. Okay. And then you ask yourself like, what would I, what am I thinking? So yeah. you can kind of like get into the mind of someone who you admire, cool. which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like, what would you say about yourself? Like, so if you are as the person you admire, uh, look at you, what yeah. would you say? And, like, to me, I was like, oh, my God, my mind is blown. I feel so empowered. I love being in this person's brain. It's just, like, so much more freeing and interesting yeah. and exciting. And then um, the call ended. And mm. then I felt really bad after the call. I felt physically really, really bad. Um, and my, I just, like, kind of held still. And I felt like in this major shock. And then I felt this wave of inspiration come about that said, be your own muse. Ah. And like, why would you step into somebody? Like I had so much fun being in somebody else's body. Sure. I felt more free. I felt more confident without realizing mm. that this person has other problems that I sure, might yeah. not want. Yeah, um, of course. I have a great life. Like, yeah. And so just be your own muse has been coming to me in massive waves since 2017, 2018. Um, and that was one of those stories. Like it's always coming to me through a meditation. So that's the main message of this podcast is to, to be one's, I, okay. So I, 
I'm not going to go there. I'm going to ask you, mm-hmm. what does Be Your Own Muse mean to you? Like, your first gut, like, don't overthink it. Yeah. What comes to mind? Yeah, uh, we've talked a lot about, like, our history of our ourselves and our relationships. And, uh, I mean, you and I, our relationships specifically. And you uh-huh. asked me about, like, you know, what changes did you go through after we met? And who were you before that? And um, to me, like, the question of adulthood is really important in my life right now. And I, I don't mean this second, but like these years of my life, this decade, adulthood is really important. And to me, that means uh, a lot of independence and self-determination. Um, and those are like words and uh, uh, concepts that I think about a lot. And, you know, each day I see, I see a little bit more of what options are open to me, what decisions I'm making and doing those less by habit or because somebody else has sort of set the track for me and more about making those decisions for myself, mm-hmm. you know, of what, um, what attitude I'm going to have about something, what, uh, I'm, I'm a teacher. So like what rules and expectations am I going to enforce on my students? Mm-hmm. Um, how will I react to what they do? And, you know, being less of an automaton, less, uh, uh, sort of programmed and ruled by habit. Um, I imagine sometimes like, what if I didn't have any habits and every moment I was, you know, using my logic and using my spiritual inspiration to Mm -hmm. decide what I'm going to do. Yeah. And of course we can't live like that 24 Mm seven, but it's a, a great mental exercise to be like remembering that I'm constantly exerting my free will Mm-hmm. and what am I creating through that yeah so that's yeah. what be your own muse means to me is like what does it mean to be a like fully formed human in the world a, a conscious adult with free will and um and and power yeah yeah I mean like also since you're a teacher you are your own leader right I mean and you have bosses and administration and principals and stuff um but Rather than somebody who, like, works under somebody mm. who works under... Like, 99% yeah. of the time, I am in charge of the room that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And also, like, again, as a teacher, like, yeah, I mean, when I'm when I'm not in charge of the room, like, I'm in a room with other adults mm-hmm. instead of kids who are, are naturally looking to myself as the, the leader and for direction. Yeah. But I'm with other adults in the room. Um, like, am I snapping back into childhood mode of just, like, letting things happen around me and going entirely with the flow or am I part of the, you know, what's deciding the, the motion and the direction? Yeah. Am I, um, speaking my truth? Am I influencing other people? Am I at least at the very least like conscious of how other people are influencing me and deciding about whether I will let it influence me or Mm kind of let it bounce off or flow around me? Yeah. So it sounds like being very like self, self-discipline, self, self-respect, self-governing. Yeah. That it, because I know that you are very disciplined outside of the classroom. I mean, I see you at home and you're yeah. very disciplined. You wake up at the same time every day. You exercise every day. Uh, and I mean, also like you public speak every day. That's what I thought of mm-hmm. when you were saying earlier, like I do things now that 19 year old Evan, like would not have been able to, yeah. you know, do, and you would have been excited for it, but maybe you wouldn't have been ready to just like lead a class full of students. Right. Um, Absolutely. So that leads me to my last question is what is a mantra or ritual that Hmm. really ignites you, that really carries you throughout the day? Oh. um, 
I know you like making your oatmeal in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like my oatmeal a lot. It's really tasty. Um, what's a mantra or a ritual that really yeah, ignites just me? Like a ha- you were talking about habits. So like, yeah. what's, what's a mantra you keep in your heart? What's a ritual that you have? What's something that really just grounds you and, and elevates you um, at the same time? I think they just kind of pop up as I need them. Like mm-hmm. if I, if I feel stuck, then I think of the thing that I need to um, motivate myself. Okay. So like, what's an example? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's yeah, fair. I don't know. You might want to um, go back no, on I'm this not part. No, I'm not going to edit this out. Really? Yeah, it's uh, fine. I mean, all right. it's okay. Yeah, um, even the silent parts. It's fine. People can handle a little awkward silence. Yeah, it's maybe healthy. maybe they'll feel the same push to think about the question in their own answer. Yeah, I, I mean... I have to uh, answer I it right mean... now. Yeah, do this, listener. Pause the podcast. Think of your own answer to this question, yeah. and, and we'll compare. If you're expecting to steal Evan's answers. If you were expecting to let us be your muse oh today, God. then you need to reconsider and answer the question <laughs> for yourself. What does it mean to be your own muse? Yeah, so... I mean, I know that you do a have many magic I mean, I, I have a lot of habits that, that move me through the day of, like... Um, you know, I, I, uh, am habitual. Is there some ritual or my... mantra that you have that just reminds you that you're like greater than the routine you have? Like there's a bigger esoteric reason for this. Like you, you know, mm. I mean, uh, along the lines of like, you know, exercising my personal power and being self-governing. Yeah. I, I think about the many routines I do have and I never like hesitate to alter them or get rid of them or add a new one. Mm-hmm as I need to, to serve me. And I think like, um, to, to defend habits and routine. Yeah. The fact that I like make my oatmeal, not in the morning, but every night beforehand, I make my overnight oats. oats. Thank you. Now the fact that I just do that so easily and, and regularly means that it's, it's not a decision that I'm making. I save all of my executive function for the things that are actual directions of my life. Like the attitude that I'm going to take into my classroom in the morning. What attitude do you take into your classroom in the morning? Well, I always take a, a positive attitude about what's possible for us to create, myself and my students, in terms of our learning and our greater, like, communicative ability, problem solving. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm clear about what lesson, our, our geometry skill for that day. Yeah. But also, like, what can we do in terms of, like, getting to know and work with other people better, um... And so it's not always just like this relentless positivity of like, today's a great day and I'm happy to be here. And I mean, that's all there. Like I am happy to be there and I always remember that, but Mm -hmm. you know, I'm realistic about what, what am I feeling today? Like, is it, I kind of say a different thing in the morning on a Monday than in the afternoon on a Friday. I'm like, Hey, it's Monday morning. Like I want to be a great start to your week. Let's do something productive and you can feel accomplished first thing Mm -hmm. in the morning, day one of the week. That's going to be a great start. Versus like, hey, I know it's Friday. It's the last class of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, let's finish strong. We push through. We don't yeah. just like trail off. Uh, you know, I'm I'm always thinking consciously about what mm-hmm. is my mindset and, and how can I communicate it and hopefully influence student positively. Yeah. What's one of your favorite spiritual practices? Um, all of them. <laughs> okay. Well, no, you all uh, of them. Uh, I don't know. I, I like to do my yoga. I like to... Um, exercise and move um uh i've done at other times in my life a lot more 
like silent meditation and i do less of that now i do yeah you like chanting a lot i do like chanting a lot it's nice yeah um yeah i i like to play my guitar the piano in a way that's entirely for my own like internal Uh meditative meditative practice yeah Yeah. i like to go to bed on time yeah i mean that's real that's a spiritual practice in of itself is going to bed on time and then waking up at the same time every day i'm not realizing until like so much this week like how divine it is (laughs) to wake up at the same time every day like while getting plenty of sleep um because i know when i've had full-time jobs and i'd be somewhere i would wake up at the same time every day but it wouldn't feel divine or holy at all it would feel Mm -hmm. terrible I, I think that um, I, this is sort of like a a pet, no, it's not a pet peeve, it's like a pet love interest of mine. Of cornbread. Uh, talking about cornbread is really nice. He's on my lap right now. He's soft. He's licking his little paw. He's wearing Just, his little ba- No complaints Halloween about bandana. cornbread at all. Ha- Halloween bandana. Earlier he tried to jump up on the bed and he didn't quite make it so he just like hit his full belly he against ba- the yeah. side of it. He bounces off. He bounces. And he, so he like turns around. He does a 180 in midair so his feet are back towards the ground and he kind of stumbled and like rolled a little bit on his shoulder and then his his front left paw got caught in his bandana and then jazz came over to attack him because (laughs) she sensed weakness and vulnerability for even an instant yeah that's about a day in the life here but now Um, he's resting okay so my my pet interest i started talking about how like oh i don't rely too much on routines oh no i'm always thinking consciously and yeah well i maybe that misrepresents me like i i really do think about my routines just the right amount Mm -hmm. i think about them to make sure they are taking minimal effort so that i i'm saving my effort and executive function my decision making for the things that matter my relationships my my influence on the world my attitude and perspective i had a student ask me like mr her why do you wear the same shoes every day yeah i'm like i don't have to make a decision about what shoes because it doesn't matter it doesn't really affect my as long as they aren't bizarre and distracting from the class, like, why are you always... Whatever. Um, no, I'm not going to uh, throw shade at anybody who has cool, funky shoes because that's a fun teacher move, too. No, yeah. point is, like, um, I don't make a decision about my shoes. I save my decision-making for something else. So while I'm getting dressed in the morning, I'm not thinking, like, oh, what am I going to wear? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? What, what's that going to say about me? I'm like, I already know, you know, my choices are easy from my closet. And so then while I'm dressing, I'm thinking more about, like, I'm glad to be here in my room with my clothes that fit me and uh, on my way to my job that I love yeah. and is worthwhile and meaningful. Yeah, so I guess like my routines, um, yeah, I'm, I'm putting my food together in the evening and it's easy to do. So my mind is open um, to think productive thoughts and, and be glad about the thing that I'm doing. I uh, thinking about people talk about self-care a lot and i seldom hear self-care um examples uh, I, I seldom hear examples of self-care being the sort of hygiene and habits that keep us maintained well like uh self-care is maintenance uh-huh. instead of sort of like entertainment or uh-huh. like um luxury luxury yeah exactly yeah. i mean that's uh uh commercialism uh-huh. in infecting our daily conversations like self-care is mostly maintaining your your person your you know your temple your physical form at in a great way Uh um that also helps maintain your mental your mental state um you know before you uh uh, play video games or uh get a spa treatment or um 
whatever it is the get a massage for self-care like first make sure your meals are healthy yeah not too rich and uh make some decisions that set you up for success like do your grocery shopping um get what's on your list first before you buy your cookies uh you know make do your money date um, date. drink plenty of water drink plenty of water so uh routines yeah, I mean, you've taught me that. <laughs> Routines as, a, as, as an answer to your question of, like, what's a, a habit or a yeah. mantra. I mean, you've taught me that you can't just, like, live life with vibes only. <laughs> you know, you can't just, like, yeah. see how you feel about it. Right, if, if you don't have a plan of what you're going to do when you wake up, I mean, I, I don't do that every day. Like, on the Saturday, I wake up and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do today? And that's a, a great feeling. But yeah. if you're doing that every morning, like, you're spending so much energy on time on mm-hmm. making some decisions that then rob you of the opportunity to make decisions about what are you going to create that day or how are you going to do your job in a way that has a positive influence on the mm-hmm, world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and if you have no way of making a positive influence on the world through your job, then be clear about what avenues in your life right now you can have a positive influence, like yeah. through your relationships, through your communities, um, whatever that is, or what changes you need to make, what avenues do you need to open, what doors do you need to open so that you can have a positive influence on the world. Yeah, wow. That's a big, big one right there. That's I believe in you. That's a quote. I know you can have a, a great <laughs> influence. You can, you can be a positive influence on the world. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Um, that's it. That's all I got. Um, thank you, Evan. So do, do we just make jokes now? Do you, funny you gags? And, yeah, just riffing? Yeah, I know you want to riff so bad. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't even know where to start with the riffing. I'm just okay. like, uh, so let's not. <laughs> what? Wow. Um, so that's all that I have. This episode's been on my longer side, which is exciting. You want to do like a partner episode? Like this one's all serious and worthwhile. And then there's a second episode sure. that's just, oh, it could be like the Patreon content. Like, oh. you know, pay a little extra for the, the okay. just gags episode. The just gags. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yep. <laughs> Um, well, that's all I have. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, mm-hmm. be sure that you're following me on Instagram at funky Aphrodite. I'm never changing my Instagram handle ever again. Got to stay true to myself. Next episode, we could just talk about the dogs. We could. We could even just describe what they're doing right now. We could right just now. vlog them. I think that would do very well. Jazz is so relaxed, but her legs are straight out in front of her. I know. She's beautiful. She's I beautiful love her. She's a majestic beast. She's a beautiful majestic beast. Her little glow-in-the-dark um, skeleton bandana. If this episode helps you in any shape or form, I love hearing from you all. Uh, share this with a friend if you want to be a good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, or share your thoughts about it with your friends. Say, hey, yeah, I heard an that. interesting podcast the other day. What do they you talk think about, about this thing that Evan said? Yeah. Or yeah but you could both listen to it either at the same time or separately and oh. then discuss it. You could pause it in the middle and say, what do you think they meant by pop filters all throughout the room? <laughs> So you're saying it kind of like you're joking, but that's what Evan and I do. No, I'm saying it as though it's a fun, great idea that you should definitely do. That's something that Evan Evan and I will pause a movie and discuss. We will pause a a podcast. I love that. And discuss. Sometimes we say, hey, let's listen to a podcast together on this road trip. And then we listen to 10 minutes of it or five minutes of it. They say something. We say, what do you think about that? And then we talk for the rest of the six hours of driving (laughs) about about that and then everything. And then we say, okay. Uh, good. And then we hit play again and listen to three more seconds. And then, oh, wait. And then we go yeah. back and do it. Yeah. I mean, 
Even if you did that with my podcast, I would be so honored. Yeah, if you didn't even make it this far. Then you're fine. You're don't fine. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know. Um, well, we're starving. We're going to go make breakfast. Do you want waffles? I want waffles. Uh, I really actually do oh, yeah? want waffles. Yeah. Waffles are so good. I make, so them, good. I make them with whole wheat flour and yeah. quick cook oats. And then you put the, when you put the berry protein powder in it, that was really nice. And the, the berry flavored yogurt. Mm, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go do that. Okay. All right. I'm starving. Thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to be your friends another time. Send us a waffle in the mail. Don't send us a waffle in the mail. Send me a waffle in the mail. Send cornbread a waffle in the mail. Um, cornbread with like, you know, if you mix some suet in there, some lard. He would love that. Uh, uh, crude protein. Okay. All right. Let's get, let's get on with our days so these people can get on with theirs. Really? Okay. What about my, my gags and, and riffs? If you guys want to hear another episode of gags and riffs, please don't hesitate to tell us so. We are dying to do so. We'll know you want it if I receive a waffle in the mail <laughs> with peanut butter and jelly on it. Okay. Love you. Miss you guys. Talk later. Grape jelly. Bye. Raspberry jelly. Blackberry jelly. <laughs>